Welcome to Victory Fellowship's online podcast library. We hope you enjoy this message today. And it was so strange, you know, was, um, this gentleman I was praying for, he, had his, his, he was grasping my arm and just holding my arm. And as we were praying, it was so, you know, it was, it was awesome because I felt in that touch, you know, we're praying for him, he's the one that's going through this battle, but I felt the reassurance of God's love and God's presence just in that touch. And, um, you know, this morning, you know, I, I don't know what you're going through, but he does know. And just, just his touch, just the warmth of his love, whether it comes in a song or a prayer, just his sweet presence or through a scripture verse or through the teaching, just embrace God this morning. Embrace his love. He's embracing you. And as it happens, as you do, you'll be, you'll be shocked at how awesome he is. And he changes everything. We're going to take communion this morning. And I want to just share some from, some from that week of, you know, we're entering into Easter week and starts with the triumphal entry. I want to read a portion of that. And, and um, you know, I want us just to, to focus this morning. You know, it's on these incredible pictures that the Holy Spirit painted through these gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. They were, they were artists, so to speak. They were, they were writing down by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit the things that they had seen and felt and heard. And, and um, you know, you and I, we, we receive things. We were created to receive things visually. And, you know, that's why, my, why, why, why video is so powerful. When you see something and you begin to, to look at it and it, it, you begin to imagine, that's how God speaks to us. And, and he gave us the last week of his his time here on earth as a man, there was some incredible pictures that he painted through his life actions. And the first one is seen in Matthew, Matthew 21, when they approached Jerusalem, his disciples, and had come to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives. And Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord has need of them and immediately he will send them this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets. He's talking about the prophet Zechariah. He was fulfilling this prophecy on purpose. He was declaring by his actions that he is the Messiah, that he's coming into the city of David, and he's coming fulfilling this prophecy from the book of Zechariah. And in it, as we begin to see this, this entrance of the king into, into Zechariah, there's something that can't be seen, this, un, this hidden message that's, that's underneath the surface of what's taking place. He's coming mild and meek as a lamb to the slaughter. He's riding on a donkey. But just on the other, in, the other, in the other invisible world that John was caught up into a few years after this, there's the, the other vision, the other picture, the other painting. Christ returning on his white horse, clothed with power and glory, with a sword coming out of his mouth, his eyes like lightning, coming back to establish his kingdom on the earth. And these are, this is the picture that's seen behind the scenes as he comes, humble and seated on a donkey. He say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, gentle and mounted on a donkey, even on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. 
The disciples went and did just as Jesus had instructed them and brought the donkey and the colt and laid their coats on them and he sat on the coats. Most of the crowd spread their coats in the road and were cutting branches from the trees, spreading them in the road. The crowd going ahead of him and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Hosanna means save now, save now, save now, save now. They were shouting, they were dancing, save now, save now. They had a different, the, the, I guess the, the dilemma they were in is they had a different picture in their mind of what that would look like. They were waiting for an army to drive out the the Roman soldiers and for them to establish a king on the throne of Jerusalem. They never had an an idea in a million years that their prayer was being heard and being answered by the death of the Son of God on a cross. Save now! Save now! Sell the same cry that we have today. Lord, our world's in turmoil. Lord, my, my life's in turmoil. Save now! Come now in my life with a time of visitation. Their answer to their, their dilemma was there in front of them. Many couldn't see it. They wanted a physical answer rather than a spiritual savior. He's coming today in the person of the Holy Spirit. He's here today in the person of the Holy Spirit. When you cry out to him, he comes and answers your prayer and he visits you. Thank you, Jesus. So Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. When he entered Jerusalem, all the city was shaken or stirred. Seismo means to be shaken like an earthquake. Saying, who is this? And the crowds were saying, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth in Galilee. I pray today that you're being shaken to the very core every day by the coming of Jesus Christ. He is an awesome God. He is a terrible God. He is kind. He's coming with justice and mercy. He's coming with judgment and retribution to those who are against him. Our God is an awesome God. He's coming with fire. He's coming with power. He's coming to redeem his sons. He's coming to bring justice to the wicked. Our God is an awesome God. It should cause us to to tremble in our boots in joyful anticipation. As we we begin to catch the smell and the fragrance of the nearness of the return of Christ returning on his white horse, we should tremble in joyful anticipation with the rest of creation. Our God is an awesome God, and our God comes. He comes to this earth. So then... The next picture is painted. He, he comes, he comes, and the, the, the people are singing and they're dancing, whether they knew what was going on or not. They were shouting and praising God and, and singing out to the Lord. And he, he got off his donkey and he made his way into the house of God, into the temple. And this is what happened. He entered the temple and he drove out all those who were buying and selling in the temple. This wasn't what they expected the Messiah to do. He comes in and he starts shouting at people. Comes into the temple, comes into the temple, starts throwing over tables, gets out a whip and starts shouting out, my father's house is to be called a house of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves. My father's house is to be a house of prayer. You've made it a den of iniquity, turning over the tables, driving out the buyers and the sellers and the animals. What is this all about? He's preparing his house for his coming. He's prophesying. 
He's preparing your house. He's preparing my house. He's preparing me individually. He's preparing us as a congregation. He's preparing us prayerfully as a city and as a nation. He wants to cleanse his holy temple that he can come to his house. Is anyone listening to me out there this morning? You know, revival starts in you. Christians want to pray for other people, but it starts with you. It starts right here where you are. It starts when you come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit and you begin to recognize there are are idols in my life that need to be put over, need to be kicked out. There are some things in my life, maybe sins or compromises, things that are not pleasing to God. The King is coming. The King is coming. I want to cleanse this temple. I want to purify this temple. So the king can come and find his home in my life. Oh yeah, my friend, you know, Jesus loves you more, th- you can, more than you can imagine, but he refuses to fellowship with sin. He wants to cleanse your temple. He wants to wash you in his blood. He wants to drive out the compromise out of your life and fill you with his presence. He wants to clean up the house. He wants to call you his own. He wants to get the compromise and iniquity out of our house, out of our lives, that he can come and sit down and make his home, his abode in our presence hallelujah so the blind and the lame after this he cleansed the temple and and now we see the third picture it's the the first picture is the is the triumphal entry on the on the donkey the dancing and the singing and then the shocking picture of him turning over tables making a whip jesus the son of god this gentle jesus driving people out with a whip wow What an incredible picture. I have a picture like that at my house. It's not one that you see too often, but it's a picture of Jesus cleansing the temple. Lord, cleanse the temple again. And then he goes and he sits down in the temple. He goes and he sits down in the house of God. Oh, Jesus, Jesus, would you come? and sit down in this house, in this church? Would you come and be with us? He sat down and he began to minister. He began to minister to the, it says here, the, the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple. Those that couldn't see and those that couldn't walk. Oh yeah, they were physically blind and they were physically lame. But this is talking to some issues much deeper than even physical blindness and physical lameness. It's even worse to be spiritually blind and spiritually lame. Worse than physical. Way worse. Because one keeps you from operating in this world, the other keeps you from entering into the second world. So the blind, those that couldn't see physically, and and those that couldn't see spiritually came to him, and he touched their eyes. Those that that were, they were so messed up physically they couldn't walk and so messed up emotionally they couldn't function in this life. Maybe you're like that today. You can't even function. You can't be a dad or a, a wife or a worker or a boss or a father or a mother or whatever it is that you're supposed to be. You can't be because you're paralyzed emotionally. If you come to Jesus, 
Come to Jesus. Come to Jesus again and again. Let him love you. Let him pour his love upon you. Let him touch you. Let him touch your eyes and touch your ears and touch your legs and hold you in his arms. They came to him in the temple. And the blind begin to see. The lame begin to leap for joy. The children begin to sing and cry out. And the Pharisees begin to rebuke. Tell the children to be quiet. And Jesus said, if they are quiet, even the rocks are going to start praising. Oh, even the, even the mountains and the fields will break forth into singing. And praising the Lord. Hallelujah. And then there's another picture Another picture that took place, and this was just a few days apart from this. They went to, back into the, into the upper room. It's the place, the headquarters. They said it was John Mark's mother's house is what most people believe it was. They had this upper room, and they, that's where they would stay, and they would have their meetings, and, and they were there, Jesus and his closest followers, and Mary of Bethany, Mary of Bethany came, and she had a glimpse of who he was. Oh yeah, how do I know? Because Jesus said that she was anointing his body for his burial. She had a glimpse. She was the first one that we began to to see accepted the fact that he was gonna die. She was overwhelmed by his love for her. She was overwhelmed that, that his death represented her. She was a sinner that needed to be saved by grace. She recognized in a a moment of time, and this is how it happens for us. We see two things in a moment of time about ourselves. We see our sinfulness, and then we see his righteousness that's granted to us, that's put on us by faith. We become the righteousness of God in Christ by faith in Christ Jesus in a moment of time. She saw it. He died for me. He loves me. He's the lover of my soul. I couldn't save myself. I messed my life up. But he loved me. He accepted me. He forgave me. He clothed me. What can I do? I'm going to pour out my love. I'm going to pour out my heart. And she took her most prized possession, a pound of spicknard, estimated value, one year's salary, $30,000 or $40,000 today. She began to pour it out on his head, on his feet. She wiped his head with her hair and his feet with her hair and with her tears. And she began to worship the Lord with her heart, responding to his grace. What an incredible picture. If I was an artist, I would paint that picture. I wish I could paint that picture. It's an awesome picture. And it actually brought out, it exposed the poison that was right there in the room. Right there in the midst of the inner circle, there was poison in the inner circle. It was exposed by this radical worship. It brought it out. Judas was irate, and he got some of the other disciples to join with him. And he began to rebuke Mary, and Jesus stepped in between them. Leave her alone. She's done this for my burial. This this is going to, everywhere the gospel's preached, what she's done is going to be told about her. She's done this because she loved me, and she's honoring my death, pouring out her love, pouring out her love. It brought a separation. Judas went and betrayed the Lord. He had a different vision of what Christianity was supposed to be like. He thought it was empowerment slogans and getting power in this life. He had no idea 
It was about redemption, about salvation, about forgiveness, about sacrifice, about a death on a cross, about dying to ourselves, and about living unto God. What a picture. What an incredible picture. And then a few days later, they were back in the same room. Jesus began to serve the the communion, the Last Supper, Passover meal for them as Jews, the bread and the drink. And as he took the the bread and as he took the drink and he passed it around, he, he handed them the bread and he looked at them and said, this bread is my body. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. 2,000 years later, we're still doing it. Today we'll do it. We'll take the bread and we'll say, this is his body. was broken for me. This is his body. He became a man so that I could become his son. He came and represented me as a human being. He died my death. His body represents the separation, the flesh that separated us from God. He came to institute a new and better covenant. The veil was torn. The flesh was rent so that I can come in. What a picture he painted with this communion meal. We're looking at this picture every time we take communion. He took the cup and he passed it around and he said, this drink is my blood. This is my blood. This is my blood shed for the remission of your sins. The blood of Jesus washes away all of our sin. It cleanses the guilty stains from our souls. The darkest stains of shame, of immorality, of betrayal, of lying, of lust and pornography, of drug addiction, of all of that filthy stuff is washed whiter than snow by the blood of Jesus. He washes us and we become whiter than snow, cleansed by his blood. So this picture was painted. And then the last picture, after the dinner was over, they're sitting there trying to figure out what he was talking about. And he dressed himself as a servant. You know, they had a custom. They had a custom, and and it was an important one because, you know, they were walking around with sandals and bare feet, walking around in dusty, dirty, muddy streets with animal feces on the ground and getting filthy feet and dirty and diseases. And when you came into someone's home, someone, a servant, if it was a wealthy home, they would have someone that, that worked there, and they would wash your feet. Jesus dressed like a servant that that moment girded himself, got on his knees, and went to each one and began to wash their feet. He was painting a picture in their mind. He went from that moment of, of visual picture and began to teach them about the third person of the Trinity. He said, it's important for me, for you, that I go away. Because if I go, he's going to come. The comforter will come. And he'll come and be with you. That's the age we live in. The comforter comes, comes to uh, anoint us. He comes to wash us. He comes to cleanse us. He comes to renew us. You and I are walking around in in filthy streets today. We might not have sandals on and our streets might be paved, but but there are, are spiritual streets that we're walking on and they are filthy. Man's filth is out there. It's out there in every, in, in, in this entire community, in this commu- world community. It's filthy. It's pagan. It's godless. And you walk in it. And whether you're born again, when you're, even if you're born again, you walk in it and some of the filth tends to stick to us. We need baths. 
We need daily showers. We need to let the Holy Spirit come and gird himself and, and wash our feet every day. We need to get under his anointing, under the influence of his word. Let him speak his word over us and, and cleanse us and love us and bathe us so that we don't walk around stained by the filth and the immorality of this world. That we live a different kind of life. Thanks for listening. Check out our website at www.victoryfellowship.net for service times and for more information.